0: Amen. Thank you, Seth. Thank you so much for leading us. Isn't it just something to see what God has done in our lives? And how He's taken us from so many different walks and He's redeemed us, saved us. And we are people of hope because of what He's done. Seth, I thank you for taking us into the presence of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. It's good to see you tonight on a Tuesday night. Wow! You guys have the gift of encouragement. And you encourage me tonight. And I thank you so much for just the opportunity to be together tonight. It's been a good day. I got excited when Denny was sharing about Seth and his wife heading off to Syracuse, New York. And uh, I hope you will consider what Seth said. Now, it's just us tonight, right? We're just family. I'm kind of a part of the family. Am I adopted in? Is that okay? Am I adopted in? Okay. If I am. Let me tell you, I just want to encourage you to consider uh, just joining with this team. Christy and I are going to do that. Hadn't thought about that until a couple nights ago. I said, honey, I think we ought to join their team and support them financially. And so we're going to do that. We're just going to come alongside their team in that first year to get them up in the air and get them going. It's easy to curse a generation and say it's full of darkness. How about turning on the light a little bit? And let me tell you, there's a move of students today today. That defies logic. You're not gonna see it on the news. You're not gonna hear about it. there is a hunger today that is unreal. And sure there's goofy stuff going on. And sure there's all kinds of things that you wonder about. But there's a generation, let me tell you what, some of them are just so on fire for the Lord, they'll do about anything. And 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 mom and dad are saying, hey, go get that, go get that doctorate, go get that, become a medical doctor, become a lawyer. Nothing wrong with that. And I meet with more kids who sense I sense the call of God on my life and I'm headed off to X, Y, Z and mom and dad, they're not with me on this journey. And uh, I want you to put gas in their tank, food on their plate and just consider it. We're going to do it. And if the Lord stirs in your heart, join the team. Would you do that? Now, I want to confess to you on behalf of Seth that for him to stand up here and invite you to do that is a challenge for him because I've never done this thing before. I, I, this just feels goofy for me. I'm asking people to help me. No, no, no. You're giving people, I told him, you're giving people the opportunity to be a part of the greatest thing that can change the world. And when we get to heaven, I think we're going to be shocked. We're going to be shocked. Someone's going to say, hey, thank you. You were the one that gave. And through that, I was able to, to find Jesus as my Lord and Savior, so Seth, thank you for what you're doing, you and your wife. I'm excited about it. what a ministry. As I've learned more about this ministry on college campuses, I'm kind of excited about it, and and, and consider being it. And I don't know how this works in your system, so if I'm saying something I shouldn't say, I'm not sorry because I <laughs> because I obeyed the Lord, and uh, and he's the one that gives me my orders. Hey, it's a great day today. We had the opportunity to tour the. The, the town of Sterling today with your pastor and his wife. And we even made it to rock falls. We didn't. That's right. That's right. I didn't find any rocks and didn't see any falls, but let me tell you what I can say. I've been there and I've done that. I checked that off my bucket list. And, uh, so that was really exciting. I get the opportunity to go to so many places, and cultures are very unique. So as we're driving around town today, I'm just trying to absorb the culture. What's this like? Sterling and Rock Falls and being a kid who is from Iowa, Nebraska, South Dakota. I find this so interesting. I was in South Georgia preaching in a camp. South Georgia. I didn't realize until I got there they don't speak English. They speak a whole other language. And it just drove me crazy. I went over for breakfast and the lady went into this other language and she said two syllables, jeet, jet, jeet, jet. And I didn't know what she was doing. And finally, I got someone to tell me what she was saying is, did you eat yet? And it's jeet, jet. And then the answer is, no Jew. No, did you. And they just have this economy of syllables that go on. Every culture is different. And it reminds me, I don't, I don't know how much of this is in Sterling, but, uh, but every once in a while I go to a place and it's all country western music. Now, somebody here likes country rest western, don't you? Like it just a little bit, western music? Sure you do, sure you do. Thank you. Well, I'm glad you do. But let me tell you what, they have some of the most interesting songs you'll ever hear. The titles of their songs just are incredible. So would you indulge me for about three minutes? Everywhere I go, I like to take a poll on which song title you think is the wildest song title. And so I'm going to give you some country western real song titles. It's just us tonight, so we can do this. It's raining outside, so let's enjoy ourselves. So here we go. I'm just going to judge your response by this song title. Here we go. This is a real title. Her teeth was stained, but her heart was pure. (laughs) That's just wild. I still miss you, baby, but my aim's getting better. That's terrible. That's just terrible. You can put me in prison, but you can't keep my face from breaking out. You were only a splinter as I stood. Sorry, you were only a splinter as I slid down the banister of life. That one kind of hurts a little bit when I say that. Here's one that has a lot of deep emotions. not really that funny, but it's got an emotion to it. I'm just a bug on the windshield of life. Isn't that interesting? But my all-time favorite is, Mama, get a hammer. There's a fly on Papa's head. And those are real country western song titles. Well, thank the Lord. If you have your Bibles, I want you to grab them with me. Let's go to work tonight to the book of Jeremiah. I'm going to share with you tonight probably a verse that you all are familiar with. But I bet you're not familiar with the context of it. And you're not familiar with everything that surrounds it. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 11. And this is a very familiar verse of scripture. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now this verse is so common. We hear this verse all the time. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And I love that verse of scripture. It encourages me. It lifts me up. But tonight what I want to do is I want to take us on a little journey. Because as we go on this journey tonight, what I really want to do is I want to see how God moves us from here to there. Now track with me on this. I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know if you'll be able to see this, but it's just going to be really kind of odd. God's desire is to take us from where we are from here to where he wants us to be to there. Now, when we think about this in our lives, we think, okay, that looks pretty simple. It's just simple geometry. You go from here to there. The shortest distance between two points is a Straight line. Oh, you went to school. Okay. Now we have the idea that this is the way God works. That when I met Jesus as my Savior, I was born again. And then I just kind of moved right on up and I did it. But can I challenge you tonight that that's not usually the way God works. When you study Scripture, you see to get from here to there is usually, most often, not a straight line. To get from here to there is something like this. Where we go forward and then we kind of have a setback. And we go up and we have a setback. And to get from here to there is never a straight line, but is filled with all kinds of these things. That's why we talk about uncharted territory. We've never been this way before. And sometimes in the midst of these little doohinkies right here, where we have a downturn, we think, God, what in the world is going on? This isn't making sense. Jeremiah 29 11 says for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you not to harm you plans to give you hope in a future and in our minds it looks more like the straight line up rather than this line with all the curveballs that are going to take place in it for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you not to harm you plans to give you hope in a future. Now come with me on a journey tonight, because I'm going to talk to you about three very simple things. The first one is this. I can be assured that God has a plan for me. Now this is really elementary. God has a plan for us. God has a plan for our lives. I believe in all my heart That my father knows my yesterdays, he knows my todays, and he knows my future. And I can take confidence in a very simple thing. That God has this plan. I can believe in the, here's a $50 word, the sovereignty of God. That God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. I believe in, here comes another $50 word. the, The meticulous providence of God. I believe with all my heart that in God's eyes there are no accidents. There are no oops that God has a providential plan for my life because he loves me. And I believe that God's plan for my life and God's plan for your life is a good plan. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. Now that word prosper is a word that we kind of, we, we don't get. We think of prosperity is, is that God's going to bless us and our wallet's going to get bigger. Our health is going to get better. Our family is going to be healed. But that's not the word he uses. He uses a word that you hear a lot in the Hebrew. It's the word shalom. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans Plans to give you peace. Shalom. Peace. Calmness. Tranquility. It's really like a prosperity of the spirit that he's talking about. That I'm going to take care of you. That I'm not going to turn my back on you. So I begin tonight on this concept of going from here to there and telling you that God has a plan for you and your heavenly father loves you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you came through, no matter what you're going through right now, God has a perfect plan for your life. Now if perchance anyone here in this room doesn't know jesus christ as your lord and savior the first part of that plan is the wooing of the holy spirit that you can truly know what it is to be born again my goodness this is this is where i just wish we could hang out together for a while i want to hear your testimony those of you who are born again i want to hear when you came to know jesus that story is incredible you've got a story of how you met him and if you don't have one you can get one tonight He just works and he pulls and he draws. Your story would intrigue me. My story is I got saved 12 times before I was 18 years old. And and, and I just was a rebellious critter. 18 years old, graduated from high school at a high school camp, Fremont, Nebraska, sitting in the back right over there. I drove up for one night to be with other high school kids. And a man stood up to speak on the fall of King Saul. I remember that message to this day. And I was cocky, I was arrogant, I was full of myself, I had dreams and plans. And the Spirit of God just hit me with a two-by-four right over my head. And He said, I've got a plan for you, and it's going to begin by you confessing your sins and repenting. And that night, I had an experience with Jesus. It was unbelievable. The trajectory of my life totally changed. The direction I was going totally changed. My college totally changed. My major totally changed. Because in that moment of time, I began to sense that God had something for me that was absolutely incredible. You know, Denny and I don't get the opportunity to hang out together much. So this has been kind of fun for us during the day while you're all just doing what you're doing. We've had some fun today just being around. And I've noticed something about both of us. Well, I've noticed a lot of things about both of us. Color of our hair. Maybe five or ten extra pounds I carry. He has two. I have 20. and I noticed that. But you know something I noticed about us? We both love to talk about our fathers. We just love to talk about our dads. Our dads are both pastors. He loves to tell the stories about his dad. I love the stories to tell about my dad. My dad was on staff with me until he was 90 years old. When he was 75, he stood up and made an announcement. He said, I believe in mandatory retirement. He said, I think it ought to happen at 90. <laughs> so at 90, I reminded him of what he said. My dad was my hero. Just love my dad. Christy and I have had the opportunity to travel an awful lot. We've been to so many places. And my dad, in the years I traveled, he was on staff. He, he, just, he, just, he just picked us up and carried us. There were a lot of times I'd fly home on a Sunday, a Saturday afternoon or a Saturday night from where I was speaking. And my dad would go over and have the thermostat turned up in her house, have a loaf of bread in the counter and milk in the fridge. And he wanted to make sure we were totally taken care of. was something else. If I was gone, he'd, he'd, he'd call me and say, hey, I mowed your lawn today for you. I mean, he spoiled me rotten. We talk about our dads. It's like we lost our gold mine when our dads went to be with Jesus. Can I tell you about your heavenly dad? I can't believe he could love me more than my earthly dad did. But he does. He loved me so much that he said, For I know the plans I have for you. Put your name in the blank. Plans to give you peace, prosper you, not to harm you. Plan to give you hope in the future. So I begin this journey from here to there, starting off, first of all, that God has a plan for me. Now here comes the first curveball. God has a place for me. Now let's go back and put this in its context. Jeremiah 29 11. Some of you have been around the church for a long time. You know what Jeremiah 20 11 is about. The children of Israel are not living in the penthouse. In fact, in their minds, they're in the outhouse. (laughs) They're in Babylon. They have been taken captive to this evil place. They are suffering under incredible persecution. And God looks at them in Jeremiah 20.11 and says, I got some news for you. You're right where I want you right now. And I want you to embrace my place for you. Now, when we talk about God's plan for us, we can get the warm fuzzies because it's all about shalom and peace. But now he says, uh, guess what? Right now, for some of us in this uncharted territory, we've never been this way before. We're kind of parking right in here. And Jeremiah 29, 11 gives us the idea that we ought to be kind of right on those peak points right there. And he says, let me talk to you about the place where you're at. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. Can you imagine this? They're in Babylon. If you've got your Bibles, look down to verse 4 and 5 and 6. So they're in Babylon right now. The heart of anti-God, anti-everything good. They're suffering. And he says these words to them in the context of 2911. You maybe have never seen this before. Verse 5, he says, build houses. Settle down, plant gardens, eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons, and give your daughters in marriage to a man named Seth, so that they too may have sons and daughters that slid right by you. Increase in number, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you in exile. Whoa, ho! This place isn't an accident. I have carried you into exile. The meticulous providence of God for a season has put them in Babylon. Babylon. I thought this thing was about prosperity. Pray to the Lord. Because if the city you live in prospers, you too will prosper. Now, here's what I found fascinating on this. When I am in this spot in my journey, my spiritual journey, where I'm not on the mountaintop and things are going really tough and hard and bad, Uh, God, did I sin? What's going on? Are you mad at me? Where are you, God? You don't care for me? I'd say that. I, I bet you say that. But I have to understand that God says, no, no, right now I have a place for you because it's a part of a bigger picture that someday you'll see Joseph. Joseph had to go to the pit To get to the palace. Man, I don't like that stuff. God, I don't like what you're taking me through in this season. This season is not fun. It's hard. It's tough. It's difficult. Now he says, two words jump out at me here. Did you see those two words in verse (laughs) 5? He said, build houses. But the next two words, settle down. Settle down. Now just settle down. Just settle down. Because he said, I haven't forgotten you. I have a place for you. Now, I want you to do right now in this season is not to get the somewhere else disease. I wish I were somewhere else. I wish I were doing something. God, I'm not, I'm not. No, no, no. He says, settle down. S- settle down. This reminds me, being an ADHD kid uh, and having a brother three years older than I am, we were a, we were typical preachers' kids. Oh, my goodness. I've always wanted to go back to the churches where my dad pastored and apologized to the people. We were terrible. We were known for getting into fights with each other, and if we couldn't find each other, we'd find somebody else to beat up, and it was tough. I actually have a knuckle missing on this hand because of a kid that I got in a fight with and broke my finger and the knuckle kind of disappeared in there and it's just kind of a trophy to being an idiot you know and that's, that's kind of what I was and there are times that dad would grab us and say settle down and just settle down boys and then there are times he'd grab us and he wouldn't say settle down <laughs> and he'd start a little fire in the britches and But that was another way of saying, now settle down. Now settle down. This is what I found interesting. If I would have been living in Babylon in those days, I would have cursed the place. These are godless people. These people are awful. Terrible. Terrible. Did you ever hear of three Hebrew children? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego? Did you hear of Daniel? This is not where you want to get your dream vacation. This isn't anything that's good. And he says, here's what I want you to do. You're here for a purpose. I want you to set this place ablaze with the glory of God. Settle down, build houses, plant gardens, and bless the place where you live. Now, I'm, 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 I'm not going to park long on this, but I was thinking even today as we were driving around Rock Falls and Sterling and as I came through Dixon and then I look over toward the Iowa border and I'm saying, oh, Jesus. What could, what could happen here that this church that has this incredible history could just bless the town in which it lives? Just bless the town. Okay, now we're, we're gonna, we'll, we'll just go off script for a little bit. I met my, my new friend Thomas and I saw today where you feed people at Christmas. Heard the story of how you feed them and I just got excited about it. I thought, hey, that sounds like Jeremiah 29. I'm going to bless the town I live in. I saw some of the things you were doing and other things. I, I, I think they're on to something. I walked around this facility today. Denny took me to every closet, every furnace room. I can tell you where they're all at and I thought, you know what? If these people if these people would understand Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, and simply say God's given us everything we can do to bless our community. Now, sometimes in this world, and I'm preaching to myself now. When there's a finger going like this, there's three more going back at me. Sometimes you just want to curse the community in which you live. So much evil and so much bad stuff, and you read stuff all the time. He never said curse Babylon. He said, settle down, plant a garden, bless where you live, because when it has shalom, you'll have shalom. So let me talk to you about the place where you're at right now. Oh, how I wish we could just spend more time just hearing stories and testimonies. I'd like to know what your life's like. I'd like to know what you're facing, what you're fighting. Because I have a feeling at the place where you live, there's probably a little turbulence The flight attendants may not be serving coffee on the plane right now for you. They may say, fasten your seatbelt. We're going through a little turbulence. That's the uncharted territory. That's we've never been this way before. But he says, I want you to embrace the place. Now, this fascinates me. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Shalom. Oh, bring it, Jesus. And he says, but let me tell you about the place you're at right now. It's probably not as sweet as you wish it were. But that's okay. That's okay. Because you are going to be a light. You're going to impact Babylon. That blows my mind when I read that. You know, the place we're at sometimes is, is not the one we want. There's things we wish we could change about ourselves. God has a plan for you. God has a place for you. Now, watch how he closes after verse 11. This is fascinating. So we know verse 11. It's kind of a standard one we love to quote. I'm going to say it one more time. For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you. Shalom. Give you peace. Not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Did you ever go on to the next verse? Look at Look at what's in that next verse afterwards. The next verse afterwards says this. Then. Then. When you realize how good your God is and you realize the plan he has for you and the place he has for you, then you will call upon me and you will come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Verse 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Isn't that incredible? What he says is, When you begin to see how good God is, and you begin to understand his meticulous providence and how he's placed you where you're at for this season in this reality, and you can embrace it, and you don't curse the place, you don't rehearse how bad it is, you don't nurse the hurts from the place, but you embrace the place, he says, then you're going to discover that God has a path for you. Now, his path is to get you from where you are to where he wants to take you. He said, I'm going to get you from here to there, but there is this path I want you to take. And the path I want you to take is that 12 and 13. Let me read it to you again. I love this. I just love this. Then you will call upon me. Come and pray to me. I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart, and he says, verse eleven will be true when you understand to say, God, you got my whole heart, no distractions. I surrendered all to you. I'm going to accept what you want. Now he did tell them you're not going to be in Babylon forever. When you read the passage, seventy years, <laughs> seventy years. I'd say seventy hours would be a long time. Seventy days, you got to be kidding. Seventy months? No, he said seventy years, but. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to seek me with all your heart. In my Bible, I underline that word all. He wants all your heart. He doesn't want peace of your heart. He wants all your heart. He wants you to totally, absolutely surrender everything to him. And he said, that's the path. When you understand what he say, God, here I am. Here I am. I want to let you in on a little secret. I think sometimes the older we are, the harder it is to keep surrendered. I'll tell you one the other day, I'm embarrassed to tell you this. I'm just absolutely embarrassed to tell you this. I can't even remember where it was at. I, I don't carry money on me. I, I carry a money clip And I've got plastic, and I've got uh, my driver's license, my grocery store card, my CVS card, all the important stuff. And then I keep one $50 bill, and I hope I never have to use it. That's all I I said. I'll carry a wallet with me. It's just too thick. It started to ruin the back pocket of my pants. And I thought, you know, I'm going with a money clip. I don't carry cash much. I'm in a service at our church. It's like the Spirit of God says, Dave, uh, some, some, some special thing was taking place. Get that $50 bill out and put it in the offering. Well, I thought that's silly. I'll go home and write a check. And then I'll put it in. No, put the $50 bill in. Why well, is this dumb? I'll get you the $50, God, and I'll do it on my terms. He says, no, I want you to take your $50 bill and put it in the offering. I said, okay, God, but I'm going to get an offering envelope and I'm going to write on it a gift because I need the giving credit. So I get the offering envelope out and I write on there my, my number, giving number happens to be number one in our church. I wonder why. And it's giving number one and I write on there and I take my $50 and I stick it in the offering envelope. And it's like the Lord in my spirit says, no, no, I didn't ask you to put an envelope. Can I tell you a secret? It wasn't about the $50. It wasn't about the envelope. It was about Obedience. It's about obedience. Hard. Sometimes just obedience. Say, God, here it is. I give you my kids. I give you my grandkids. I surrender all. We sing that song, I surrender all. But I'm finding out the older I get, there's a few things I kind of want to hedge on. I just kind of want to hedge on that. I got plans. I worked hard all my life. I was in Bradford, Pennsylvania speaking at a, a number of churches went together for this crusade and they couldn't find the good speakers. So they called me. And so I kind of went in and spoke at this crusade and, and I had, I was staying at the home of a librarian at Penn State University, the campus in Bradford. And she said, come down to the library and see me sometime. And I love books. I just love books. So I went down to the library and there was a bunch of books for sale for 10 cents and 25 cents at this library. That's my price. <laughs> Man, I, this is great. And I go through them and I pick up this book and it's, it just grabbed me. The title of the book, and I bought it. And I have it today in my library. The title of the book is How to Lose a War and Why. How to Lose a War and Why. This is the craziest book I've ever seen. It has pictures of the proper way to surrender. It has photographs. When you surrender, make sure you put your hands up, do it this way. And then it goes through history. And the thesis of the book is crazy. It says oftentimes the team that loses the war, the country that loses the war, in the end wins. Because they learn the power of surrender. That's not a book. That's what he says. With all your heart. Seek me and just surrender it all. And you'll win. You'll win. Just say God here it is. I don't know about you. I did that. I did that when I just said God. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. And I experienced what it was to surrender. But can I tell you something. I've had to do it. Again. Again and again, and again, where I say, God, here I am. Close with this. Four years ago, Christy and I were in Fairbanks, Alaska. Actually had a group of people that were up with us. We had toured Alaska, did the whole cruise thing, and then did this tour, and I got a call on the phone from someone I deeply love and respect. They said, Dave, we've decided that we'd like you to lead our organization like you to be the president of this organization. And I thought to myself, there's not a chance in the world. I'm not going to do it. No, I don't want to do it. I know my age. I know my dreams. I know my future. You've got to be kidding me. I'm not going to lead this. Before I hung up, the Spirit of God just kind of nudged me and said, uh, are you willing? And something inside me says, I don't think so. I don't think so. Christy and I battled the next three days. And I came to a place where I said, yes, Lord. And then he said, okay, just checking. Just want to make sure you're obedient and surrendered. And it never happened. Tonight, I just wonder, there's anybody here like me It says, I'm at a point where I just need to say, God, here it is. I surrender. I surrender. Because when you surrender and it feels like you lose, you really win. You really win. Stand together with me. Would you do that right now? Here's what I want to do. Just bow your heads together with me. Just with your heads bowed in these last moments. I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey. But I got a hunch. There's a few of you like me that say, you know what? I need I need to just say yes, Lord. I need to surrender. And maybe you did it years ago, but is it fresh? Are you obedient to Him? And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If there's anybody here who says, you know, I just, you could be, 57, 87. You say, I just need to say, God, everything I have is yours. I'm like the widow with Elijah. When God says, uh, could I have the oil and the flour? And she said, well, here it is, Lord. And you just say, I'm just obedient to you, Lord. I want a fresh surrender. We're going to sing this together. I surrender all. And if God's spoken to you tonight, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to just come and stand here with me. We're just going to stand here. We're just going to have a little prayer huddle together. And I want to be obedient to the Lord because I sense some of you are at this point of fresh surrender. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. All your heart. So Seth's going to lead us as we sing this. And I'm just going to be ask you to just be obedient to him. Whatever stirs in your heart, don't hang on to your $50 bill mentally in your mind. Just say, God, here it is. I don't know what it is, but I'm all yours. I'm all in. I surrender to you. Someone come, others will follow. Let's just sing this together. Sing it with me right now.